We're on a series, Pastor Jeff opened it the last two weeks, and so if you miss those, we're not going to recap too much of that. So I'm going to start with just a scripture, because I always feel better about that. And so when we first came up with this series, Pastor Jeff kind of texted me and saw where I'm on the schedule. I just always like to start kind of thinking about it and praying about it and maybe look at some of the scriptures. We know them well and the gifts of the Spirit. And, but, you know, it's a little bit of a tricky subject. There's a lot of differences of opinion, even within the body of Christ, let alone the body of Christ compared to what the world thinks. And so as I was looking up the gifts of the Spirit, one of the things that interested me, I was, I don't typically go to Google when I'm preparing a message, but, but I, I'm coming into myself and realizing there is an internet and maybe, you know, maybe I should just, yeah, let's just see what Google has to say about it. What's interesting is when you get to the gifts of the Spirit, the first two or three sites that come up are, they're Catholic sites. Oh, wow, that's... That's really interesting. It's not the charismatic church. It's not anything else. It's the Catholics. They've got this thing about the gifts of the Spirit. So this is the, this is the scripture they use. I thought it was interesting, and it's good. So it's in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. It says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom, and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit is a lot of things. And in the New Testament, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit a lot. And of course, he was he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he worked in all of these gifts, right? The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, of might, knowledge, and then the fear of the Lord. Kind of interesting. So why would Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, fear God? We actually had a series on the fear of the Lord a while back, because the, oftentimes I think that, that that word fear just brings up thoughts that I don't think are correct for scriptural scriptural fear of the Lord. It's more like a reverence for the Lord. And one of the, the what the Catholics call it is piety. So piety or being pious. Now, I don't know about you, because I found that as I get older, <clears throat> my generation is really different than some of the other generations that have come after me and maybe some before. But when I was growing up, pious was a really negative word. It was, had the connotation that, well, he's pious, meaning that he acts religious, but he's not acting religious. And so when I saw that, it kind of piqued my curiosity. I was actually telling my wife, Cindy, about it, and she said, you are not preaching on piety. <laughs> so I said, well, but the real, the real meaning of the word is just a reverence for God, just this deep reverence and worship of God, and that's what I think the context is with Jesus. So I took her advice. I'm not preaching on piety today, but I did want to share that with you because that could be one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not one of the things that's listed when we get into the New Testament. Paul starts talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We don't really see piety as being one of them. There are a bunch. 
But Jesus says he's our comforter. How many, of, how many of you like comforters? Especially when you're tired and you're laying on the bed. A comforter is really nice, right? He's your helper. Interestingly enough, as I get older, I find my memory starting to wane and wax. And, you know, sometimes this never comes back. But Jesus told his disciples, listen, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of everything I told you. That's awesome. He's our memory. And when I think of the Holy Spirit, so one of the cool things about being a grandparent is that now I have, I have three little ones that are all girls, vivacious, three to eight years old, something like that. And so now we are re-watching children's movies with them. And it was just the other day I was watching, we were watching Aladdin and the Disney movie where Robin Williams is the voice for the genie and Aladdin's just discovered this lamp and doesn't know what it is and all of a sudden the genie pops out and he still doesn't know what it is because he doesn't know anything about it. And so it goes into this, uh, so the genie voiced by Robin Williams goes into this massive display of what a genie could do for him that lasts like five to ten minutes and I, I almost thought about having us play it, but I didn't have enough faith for that. And so if you haven't seen that, you might look at it, because it's pretty cool. They do a great job of demonstrating the power and the might and the things that a genie could do for you. So the Holy Spirit's not exactly like a genie in that we get more than three wishes, uh, but we're not his master. So... But it kind, of, it kind of just demonstrates to me the power that we have access to, the majesty that we have access to. I, I think sometimes it's really easy just to forget. It's really easy to be involved at this horizontal level of the natural versus what the world would call the supernatural. And we're just here every day, every you know, 60 minutes, an hour, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is what we're dealing with. And so it's, it's easy to kind of forget. It's easy to get into a rut. Um, and not to say that everybody gets into that rut. And one of the things we as a church try to do is like, every Sunday is like, let's get out of that rut. Let's do something for God. Let's do something with Holy Spirit power. Because how many of you know that the power of the Holy Spirit is actually really awesome and it's fun. It can challenge you. And it is challenging, and there's times where it challenges me, like right now, I'm being challenged. So I was at work one day, and most of my assistants are between 20 and 35, and one of them goes to our church, and in conversation, we're working, but there's conversation going on, and sometimes I will just randomly think of something based on their conversation. So I I, I don't remember what the conversation was, but I remember saying, oh, it's kind of like that person at ESP. And all three of them stopped, got quiet, and they're looking at me. And I've seen that look before. <laughs> it's when they're like, what's this old guy got up his sleeve now? We don't have a... I'm looking at him like, you don't know what ESP is? And I said, no, we don't have a clue. But you're like 35 years old. You've never heard of ESP. So because three out of three didn't know, I'm guessing that there's at least... I don't know, 50 to 75% in here that don't know. 
Now, I realize there's, there's a little ESP button on my four-wheeler, like electric shift potential or electric shift program or something. I don't know what it stands for. And there's actually like an ESP for your vehicles, electronic stability program, right? Something like that. So how many of you would be brave enough to say you know what ESP is? Not those two. Okay, we the, all the older people, a few younger, yeah, not bad. Okay, don't mean you're old, sorry. So what it is is, and when I was growing up, this was kind of a hot topic. I don't really remember why, I don't remember how I was involved in it, I just, we heard about it all the time, it's extrasensory perception. It was like re the ability to read somebody's mind or uh, have thoughts that could travel around the world and you could know what somebody else was doing someplace else. And so if you look this up on Google, you actually have to scroll down to find the extrasensory perception part of ESP. So it's down there a ways and it talks about the reading of minds and this mind thing and it says, but it's never been proven and so it's pseudoscience. Okay, pseudoscience. So as Christians, I, I've realized that sometimes I have to be careful who I'm talking to, but at my age now, I don't really care. If, if somebody, if, uh, <laughs> if I, I, I am not afraid to tell people that I've heard from God. I've heard God's voice. And a little ESP maybe, but not the kind the world thinks of. And so being from a different generation, I just come from it a little differently. Now, when I got saved, I was 19 years old. I didn't have a clue about any of this stuff. I didn't have a clue about the church, the charismatic church. I, I got saved. That was just kind of very basic knowledge. And we have to be careful with the gifts of the Holy Spirit because you can abuse them. They can be abused. Uh, but in Romans chapter 8, it says that Essentially, it says that the same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And he, he's not talking about just the pastor or the associate pastor or the associate to the associate pastor. He says it's in, it's in you. That, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Oh, that's amazing. Now, the King James Version talks about the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost, <clears throat> which is always, you know, how many of you have seen Ghostbusters? <clears throat> okay, that, so that's what comes to my mind when I think of the Holy Ghost. So I kind of like the newer rendition of the Holy Spirit. It's a little tamer. I just have really two goals today, and what I want to do is I'm, I'm hoping that just in some dialogue here, we can make a little different approach to who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit is, and it's not so ghostly. It's not, it's not crazy. We're not crazy that we hear from God. Um, and the second is to consider that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not just for the gifted, not just for the gifted. 
So when we become Christians and we accept what Christ did for us on the cross and died on the cross, raised from the dead on the third day and forgiveness of sins through repentance. And when we do that, what, what we've done is that we've, we've admitted and we've confessed that there's another realm, there's a spiritual realm that is you know, di- a little different than what we have and that the Bible tells us when we become Christians, accept Christ as our Lord, that we just became citizens of the kingdom of God. It's another kingdom, so we're, we're actually dual citizens. And I, and I actually really believe that. I believe that when I got saved, I became a citizen of the kingdom of God. Now I had to start learning what that meant. Just even like the genie has some rules. One of the rules was you can't make somebody fall in love with you. There's rules in the kingdom of God. But one of them is that we have the Holy Spirit in us, that same power, we have access to it, and it's not just for the gifted. And we see that in Scripture, that, that faith, we have to have faith, and one of the gifts of the Spirit is faith, which is interesting because everybody has to have faith in order to come into the kingdom. Without faith, you cannot please God. And it's by faith in Jesus that you become a kingdom. So there's, in some respects, some people think that the gifts of the Spirit, so like say the gift of faith, is actually like another level, like another level of faith. And so there might be some people that have a gift of faith, even though we all have, we all have faith. And then... We have things like the the gift of prophecy, and that's kind of one of the things I want to focus on a little bit today, because prophecy is one of those things that has a crazy impact on our lives. It, for starters, greater than a fourth, and you can argue the numbers, a third, is prophetic of the Bible. The Bible's prophetic. And there are some crazy, precise, prophecies about cities, countries, people, especially Christ, that have come true. And they're very, very, very precise. They're not garden variety, just, you know, God's going to bless you type of stuff. This is very precise things. And we've seen those come to pass. And that's what builds our faith. Because what the thing about faith that I, I always cringe a little bit when people say, well, all you have is your faith. It's not Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, tells us that faith is the evidence of things not seen. The, everybody say evidence. Okay, there's evidence for things not seen. Prophecy is one of those things where it's the evidence of something not seen because we have, we have prophets and people that have been recorded in the Old Testament that have prophesied about Christ hundreds and even thousands of years before it came to pass. And that you just that just doesn't happen. You can't just make something like that up. And it's there. It's written. It's recorded. We have it to our access. And it's what builds our faith uh, that there is something greater than us and that we're part of it. We're part of it. Now, the other thing that makes me cringe a little bit is when we start talking about the supernatural, because I don't, one of my core convictions is that 
it's all a matter of position and perspective. I don't think that God in heaven thinks that anything he does is supernatural. It's natural. It just seems supernatural to the world because we don't understand it, but to God it's natural. If you're a, if you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, when we get to heaven, it's going to be very natural, and it's going to be very, at the very least, very common because we're going to be living it. But even as Christians, I think that we should approach it from the idea that, no, actually, this is just natural. This is part of being a Christian. The older I get, the more natural it feels. <clears throat> I'm always, you know, you're always a little surprised by it. Sometimes it takes you by surprise. And sometimes um, when, you know, Cindy is, she's got this great gift for just meeting a stranger and <clears throat> having a word of knowledge and just walking up to him and, you know, just start talking to him and, and tell him something like, hey, I, uh, you know, I, you must be a doctor. Actually, I think you're, you're like a specialist, right? A doctor, and they're looking at her like, I don't know whether, they just don't quite know what to think about that because they are a doctor and they are a specialist. And then his wife will come up and, and he'll start telling her what just happened. And so Cindy, they'll ask him, well, what do you think I am? Nothing like being put on the spot, right? So she says, well, I, I think that uh, naturally I think probably you're a nurse since you're married to a doctor, but actually I think you're a school teacher. Now they're really looking at her weird. And see, then the thing is, these people don't know they're not Christians. They, you know, so what happens is that God uses the gifts for his church, but he also uses it to build his church. And... We don't know the end of that story yet because we don't know them and they were from Seattle and they moved back. And, but God has a purpose and a plan in that. Right. I can assure you there's something. They're, they're thinking about that. That rocked their world a little bit. There's something bigger than just this horizontal natural life. And that's what God does through the Holy Spirit. It, the gift is not for you. The gift is for somebody else. And that's the beauty of it. But you can be a part of it. One of the things that I, I've learned, and I believe is scriptural, and I think you find it in scripture, but I've also learned it in myself, and I've learned it uh, just from other people's experiences, is that God really doesn't move on his own. He can do whatever he wants. But he chooses to partner with us, and he partners with us and engages us and uses us just like Jesus, I mean, Jesus got his disciples and at the end there was 12 and he says, you're going to go out and preach the gospel to the other most parts of the world. And so he uses people and he uses us. Science can't deal with this stuff because they can't measure it. And I'm a science guy. I love science. But I just realized the place science has, it can't answer every question. It doesn't mean that ESP or the Holy Spirit is pseudo. It just means it's not science. It's just, it's real, but it's not something that we can measure other than by non-scientific measures. Still real. 
So I want to illustrate with a story, true story, because like Pastor Jeff said, I think it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, he said the gift, the, the best gift is the one that's needed at the moment. Amen. So <clears throat> I think the idea that, you know, we have a, and Paul, Paul talks about, just going to read the scripture in a little bit, but I think the idea that there's just prophets and apostles and teachers and administrators and, and that's, that's your gift and that's all you get and that's all you can do and you can never go over here and do these other things is just not the right, the right perception for what we're supposed to have. I don't think that when we have somebody that needs prayer that we bring five people up. Okay, you have the gift of prophecy. You have the gift of knowledge. You have the gift of wisdom. You know, you have the gift of... Um, of being an apostle, and this person needs all those things. So we're going to give each person its chance to, to do that for this person up here needing prayer. No, God's going to use whoever you're praying for, whatever gift you need at the moment. And honestly, a lot of times what I see is that multiple gifts are being employed by any one person praying for somebody that's up here. So Cindy and I, this was in 1989, we had visited my grandparents in Arizona. We had just got a Bronco, gas guzzling. Don't recommend it now. <laughs> and we, because we had two young children and the third one was in the oven and we needed something a little bigger. And so we drove down to Arizona to see my grandparents, had a meeting in Las Vegas for uh, continuing education. And then while we were in Arizona, I always drove down through Las Vegas to our now. Reno, Tonopah, Las Vegas, Arizona. My grandfather said, you know, if you go back to Elko, Nevada, and we know where Elko, Nevada is, and uh, Jackpot, you'll cut a couple hours off your trip. So well, that sounds cool. So 1989, we don't, you, don't have, you don't have the internet, you don't have a cell phone, you don't have MapQuest, you don't have any of that. But I had a map of Nevada. And so we're leaving Las Vegas, and I have three-fourths of a tank of fuel, which in a Bronco is not really three-fourths of a tank. It's actually a little less, but you get the idea. And so I'm looking at the map thinking, okay, there's a couple little towns. We'll get fuel uh, before we head up through the deserts of Nevada. But the first little town was a ghost town. There's the gas station there, it was shuttered. And I mean, the windows are broken out. So, okay, well, we got, we got another town. The next town was a, a ghost town. Go figure. <laughs> so this is a good road. It's uh, middle, early afternoon. So we just keep going. Well, there's going to be, there's going to be fuel someplace. There's no signs that there wasn't going to be fuel for, you know, you see no sign, no fuel for the next hundred miles. So we keep going and we're going and we're going, and it's like, man, and I don't know how far we went without even seeing a house or a car or civilization of any sort. <laughs> and I see a sign, and it says 89 miles to Elko. And I look at my fuel gauge, and I look at Cindy, and I said, we need to pray. <laughs> because... <clears throat> 
we're down to an eighth of a tank of fuel. And so I prayed. I was driving, so I prayed with my eyes open. <laughs> I, I didn't have enough faith to close my eyes. And that's probably why my wife had the vision, but <clears throat> so we finished praying and and immediately Cindy said at the top and we're we're going up this grade and she said at the top of this hill there's gonna be a red light on her left and there's gonna be fuel. There's gonna be gas. So I'm looking at her and she's just like deadpan serious. And I'm thinking, I've been married to her for eight years. I didn't know I married a prophet. <laughs> it explains a lot of things. Because <laughs> so, <clears throat> this had never happened before. <clears throat> And I'm thinking, you know, in my mind, a prophet, and of course, Lord of the Rings hadn't been out yet, but, you know, if you think of Lord of the Rings and you think of Gandalf, uh, that's what I think of a prophet, you know, tall, skinny guy, big, broad brim hat, just pretty tall, and flowing gray beard and long gray hair and a, a robe and a, a staff. That's a prophet. That's what Elijah probably looked like and Elisha. If my wife would look like that, I would have never married her. <laughs> so clearly, that's not what prophets always look like. Now, I'm not saying that she's like a prophet, you know, because we can have a, a gift that God uses at the moment, and it's a, it might be a prophecy. That was a prophecy in my mind. That was projecting what was ahead of us in the future, foretelling that there was going to be fuel. And when we got to the top of that hill, I saw that red light out in the middle of the desert. And when you're in the middle of Nevada and you see a red light, you have no idea what that red light's really about. <laughs> but it was on a big, tall pole, and so we're heading down the highway, and it's just a huge, long, straight stretch. There's a lot of those in Nevada. Because there's just nothing out there. It's just barren. And so we, we go several miles and we're slowed down a little bit, try to conserve fuel, and I am not seeing a gas station anywhere. I'm not seeing a town, I'm not seeing lights, I'm not seeing anything. And so all of a sudden, and we kind of drove by it, I think we had to stop and back up, there's a sign that's maybe six inches wide and maybe about 10 inches tall on the side of the road, and it just has a gas pump on it. That's it. Just a gas pump. And there's a road to the left that's a dirt road. And it's potholed. And it's full of frozen water, like ice. And, there's, and I'm looking at that road, and I'm looking into the distance, and I'm looking at the ice that is not broken, it's not cracked, it doesn't look, this is February. There has not been any evidence of vehicles down that road in the near, in the near distant past. And so we, we stopped in the middle of the road because you could do that, there's no traffic. 
and we had a conversation. <clears throat> wow, if you had a vision, we don't have any extra fuel to go down this road, and it's February, but you had a vision. If she hadn't had that vision, number one, if we hadn't prayed, I don't think she would have had a vision. I was thinking this week, and I, I felt like the Holy Spirit said that, <clears throat> I'm actually the one that prompted you to pray so that I could be activated. And a lot of times, that's how the Holy Spirit works. You don't even realize the Holy Spirit is talking to you. You're just looking at the situation we need to pray, and you don't realize that was the Holy Spirit. I could have had other reactions. I might have said, hey, we need to really think about what's going on. Maybe uh, let's get that map out. Let's start looking. But no, it's like, we need to pray. So we went down that dirt road. <clears throat> and about a mile or two later, it forks. And there's no sign. And so you just go, well, you just go the most traveled road. <clears throat> and then another mile or two, it finally... You know how it looks flat in Nevada, but there's crevices and ravines, and we're kind of going down around a corner into a ravine, and all of a sudden there's a single wide trailer house. And there's this little old grandma-like looking lady, gray-haired, that's outside, and it's almost dark. And she's closing this big wrought iron rusty gate, and there's a gas pump. It's like, whew. God is real. <laughs> so we drove up and, hey, can we get gas? Yeah, no problem. Back to like, you know, no big deal. Like, they just get people all the time coming down and asking for gas. <laughs> and so when I went into the trailer and paid for it, I was like, there's a few fishing things on the wall. I said, and there's an older guy, and there's just two people. There's nothing else there. It's like, what is going on here? And so I said, what are you guys doing here? And uh, it's like, seriously, what are you doing here? <clears throat> are you angels? Because that's what I'm feeling like. It's like, God just put this here just for us. And <clears throat> he said, no, he just kind of laughed. said, no, we, we decided to, it was my in-laws, and we'd moved away, and we came back, so I'd retire here, and there's a lake. There's a lake back here. And people from Las Vegas come up, and they, they need gas to get back. And I said, yeah, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> so... <clears throat> The gift that's most important is the one you need. We needed that gift. We had two little kids. It was cold. And I thought we were prepared, but we weren't. But the Holy Spirit used that whole thing. And you, you can't just make this stuff up. Um, God, he uses ESP. It's awesome. So in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, I want to read it. A few verses here, and then we're going to proceed. It says, I'm going to read chapter 12. I'm going to hit verse 1, verse 4, 27 through 30, and then we're going to jump over to 14, chapter 14, 1 through 5. So this is Paul talking to the church. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Number one, therefore there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Verse 4. Swipping down to verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, and gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? 
Are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gift, and I will show you a more excellent way. And then it goes into chapter 13, the love chapter, and of course we know that's the more excellent way, right? You can, if you don't have love, you can be a prophet all day long, and it doesn't matter. In verse 14, or chapter 14, Verses 1 through 5, it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. And he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Okay, so my goal is not to just make a bunch of prophets. My goal today is that you start to embrace the idea that, listen, prophecy could be an aspect of everybody's life in here. Paul said, I wish that all spoke in tongues. Now, did everybody speak in tongues? No. But, said, but rather that you prophesy. And what does he say? Seek it out. Search for it. So there's, there's activation on our part. I, I think it's easy to, to just believe, well, the Holy Spirit gave the gift of prophecy to this person, the gift of being an apostle to that person, and and it's just the way it is. It's you get for Christmas whatever you get. You don't get to ask. You don't get to, you know. But that's not how it works because the Father um, wants to give his children gifts. We have to seek them. And it's not just prophecy. It's, it's any of the gifts. But Paul says seek that, seek that gift. And that's what we're talking about. Now, see, the funny thing about this is when I first got this assignment, not not the assignment to preach on prophecy, but the assignment that we're going to be doing the gifts. The first thing I said to myself, well, I know one thing, I am not going to preach on prophecy. <laughs> and yet here we are. So God has a sense of humor. He, he tolerates our, you know, our rash vows. But, uh, but then he works on you and he starts tweaking you a little bit. It's like, Oh, okay, I think I'm supposed to teach on that. All right, this is where we're at. So we have these we have these gifts, and there's another level, like we talked about with faith. Uh, tongues can be a gift, but it's better that we all prophesy because it blesses the church. <clears throat> so how many of you wanted a bike growing up? How many of you got a bike growing up? Right. I mean, it's almost like a rite of passage, at least for my generation it was. It's like, that's just a no-brainer. You want a bike. But when you get that bike, then you need to get on it. And you have to learn how to ride it. And you probably have a teacher. Your parents probably, they probably held, held the bike still for you, kind of give you a little push right towards the ditch. Um, but, and, and then you would watch. But you have to get on and you have to learn. And And... Some people got really gifted at riding bikes, but most of the really gifted people had scraped up knees and scraped up elbows and maybe a broken arm. 
you know, they had, they had to push themselves. They start learning how to jump over hills. They start building things to jump over. I mean, pretty soon they're doing cartwheels in the, you know, in the air. But they didn't get there. And, and we say they have a gift, but they didn't get there without a lot of practice, without a lot of teaching, without uh, doing a lot of things, about probably getting some help, probably getting some mentors. We know that probably everybody can draw. I can draw. I can sing. But then the Holy Spirit would leave. So, we, so I don't do that. You don't put me in a worship team because, well, it would be a good way to shrink the church. But, but, but I can draw, but I'm not an artist. We have artists in the church that are gifted. They've been trained. They've practice they've taught but they're still sometimes they're just a gift that goes along with it amen can I get an amen there so <clears throat> listen there are there are people that definitely have a gift for certain things but it still takes you it doesn't just happen it doesn't just happen we have to work at it we know that there were schools of prophets Samuel the prophet Samuel had uh, a school of prophets in fact, when King Saul was chasing soon-to-be King David because he wanted to kill him, he realized the threat to his kingdom. At the one point in time, David and Saul and Samuel were, were in the same town, and so Saul sent men to get David. And as soon as they got close to Samuel and the prophets, what happened is they started prophesying. And it doesn't really say what happened after that, but Saul had to send men again because once you start prophesying and falling down, I guess you're just worthless after that. I don't know. They lost their motivation to get David at least, so he sent men again, and the same thing happened. He did it again three times. Same thing happened. Finally, he went. King Saul goes. And he sees Samuel, and he sees the prophets, and then all of a sudden he gets close enough, and he's like, he starts prophesying. And the people are like, is Saul a prophet now? <clears throat> the thing is that Saul came with a really bad attitude and not very humble. And so this is in the Bible. You can read this. He, he's naked for a day and a half, like on the ground. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to be a prophet or you want to prophesy, just recommendation. Yeah. Pure motives, humility. Just a good idea. <clears throat> Listen, if somebody comes up and introduces, like if I came up to you and say, hey, I, I'm Brian, I'm a prophet. Um, ah, it doesn't really impress me that much. You know, I'm kind of actually suspicious. Like, hmm, God makes room for your gift, but if you're going around saying you're a prophet, then uh, I don't know if I want you to prophesy for me. Elijah had schools of prophets, and this was after his whole meeting on the mountain with God. We see he had schools of prophets. And so, what do these guys do? I mean, do they just prophesy all day? No, they, they study scripture that they had, they were taught, they were mentored, they were discipled, they, they watched, they practiced. We we see in the old we see in the in the New Testament how God used prophecy to send out Paul and Barnabas into the mission field. He used prophecy through a prophet Agabus, who said there's going to be a famine, 
and it's going to be a massive famine. And so they started preparing and they started taking offerings for the, the saints in Jerusalem. So there, the point of the prophecy was to bring forth and cause activation that the purposes of God to be accomplished and that there was something that, okay, now there's something to do. Cindy and I received our first prophetic word in 1989, about the same time we were coming back from Nevada, and uh, it really changed our lives. And it actually kind of focuses on like, okay, you're going to be in ministry, you're going to preach the word of God, you're going to be in the house of the Lord. But the thing that was that I took away the most impressive thing about that prophetic word was the first three or four sentences where the prophet that was prophesying over us, and there's three of them, but he said, he read my mail. He had a word of knowledge. And he was, he was telling me what I'd been thinking when I'd drive down the road or when I was in the parking lot leaving after a prayer meeting. <clears throat> and what I realized from that <clears throat> was that, oh my gosh, I, did, I didn't have a clue that was God talking to me. I thought I was just talking to myself. And I, one of my core convictions is that God's talking to us a lot more than we realize. Yeah. We just don't recognize his voice. And it's still tricky. I, it's still tricky for me. Is that you, God, or is that just my random thought? But I've learned that sometimes the Holy Spirit's talking to us and we don't even realize it. I wonder how many times when King David was writing the Psalms that he was, you know, because I've, I've read those Psalms and I'm going down through them and all of a sudden here's a, here's a sentence that's messianic prophecy. But I wonder if David actually realized what he was writing when he wrote that. I wonder if he really realized, oh, this is the prophecy for the Messiah. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I think oftentimes we're, even when you're praying for somebody, if you're just like listening to the thoughts coming in your head and you're just praying in faith, I think it's possible we're prophesying over somebody don't even know it. That we're giving words of wisdom, words of knowledge. I mean, God's using you and you may not even realize the impact you're having on somebody's lives. Sometimes those random thoughts, those, I've had those like aha moments where it's like, oh, oh, that makes sense all of a sudden. Moments of just revelation or clarity or, or there's just a peace that comes and sometimes you just have to walk out in faith because there's, there's an evidence there but it's not something we can see and you walk out in faith and say, I'm going to trust the Lord on this one. That How many times have you heard that voice in your head and you ignored it to your something happens and you realize, you look back and it's like, oh, that was the Holy Spirit. I didn't realize it. I was in my office one morning and I had a slap time and this was quite a few years ago. And we had the previous fall been looking for uh, more property, a bigger house. We're outgrowing what we had. And we looked for three or four months. And some of you were walking through that with us. Didn't find anything we liked. Prayed. We did get a lead on something, but it wasn't for sale. And I knew the people. 
And then it was, so it was the next March, we, I, we went and started looking for property yet in my office, and I had this thought. I should just call those people and see if they have anything for sale. I called them. Oh, yeah, we just decided this morning to sell. We have the, and I had met them twice, but she acted like she was my best friend. Said, we have the perfect piece for you. It's already surveyed. It'd be awesome. But if you want it, you got to come up right now because the realtor's coming up this afternoon. I said, okay, I'm coming up. And it's the place we bought. It's the place where we live today. It's what God had. That place would have been gone. I would have never known about it. I realized that thought wasn't my thought. <clears throat> that was the Holy Spirit thought. We just have to listen to those thoughts and just, you know what, just do it. Because the Holy Spirit's looking out for us. <clears throat> In Isaiah 30, verse 21, it says, In your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, This is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. That is so true. That is so true. So Jesus manifested all these gifts without measure, and he said we would do more. Remember, the same power is in him, is in us. So this is really what the core of what I want to get to today is that I, I believe that when there's a message off this pulpit, whoever's preaching it, is that God wants to do something. He wants to activate. And so my, my core belief, this is what I feel like the Holy Spirit told me, is that everybody in here has a moment or more, or, you know, maybe, maybe you'll even be the, a prophet, but you have the ability to prophesy, and you're, it's scary. But, uh, and it may be a one-and-done deal. It might be a one-time thing <clears throat> that <clears throat> you have a, a prophetic word for your children. They're part of the church. Maybe you're 80 years old. Your kids are 60. Still your kid. Jacob prophesied over his children. If you read his prophecies, I think we can do better than that. He was kind of negative with some of his kids. I, I think we can do better. Listen, there's nothing to be afraid of. Um, so, you know, study and pray and worship. Elisha, when he was asked for a word for the kings who were going to war and they needed some help, and what did he do? He called for a musician to worship and a, praise, and, and a presence of worship and praise and study and, and, this, and just being open to the idea, just receiving that, Holy Spirit, use me. It might be an Esther-type thing where for such a time as this, it doesn't matter. If God uses you, it might be next week, it might be next year, it might be 15 years from now. It doesn't matter. It's just that. Be open that God may use you in somebody's life. Practice. One of the things that prophets did is practice. Listen, practice on your children. They'll forgive you. Practice, you know, practice on your dog. He'll forgive you. I, I wouldn't practice on the cat. The cat may not forgive you. So. so I want everybody to say pickle. All right. So that's the key word for the worship team that come up today. They just said, 
you got to say something to get us up here. So pickle was what everybody decided. Let's have everybody say pickle. So how do you, you know, how do you hear the word of the Lord? I, I don't know. It just comes in your thought process. And, and what happens sometimes, I, I remember one time I was in a church service, again, it was years ago, and I had this, I had this like a burning uh, just my, I was getting, my heart was racing, and I was just perspiring, and I had what I thought was a word from the Lord, but I was really doubting. I was doubting myself, and I, and I was holding back. Because the Bible, Paul also tells us that the, the Spirit is subject to the prophet. So you can squash, you can squash that word. And so if there's something burning in you, I mean, if you feel your heart rate going up and you feel your face getting red and you're starting to sweat a little bit, you know, maybe that's the Holy Spirit and maybe just step out in faith. You know, if you had a dream last night uh, and it's just like a really weird dream, you know, maybe that's not the Holy Spirit. Maybe that was just, you know, too many jalapenos on your hamburger or something. (laughs) But, you know, so we have to be careful because we can abuse it. We got to be careful what we share with people. It can change our lives. And, uh, but I, I, I believe that there's times, and I didn't, I didn't speak that word, and within like three or four minutes, somebody else spoke exactly what the Lord was telling me to speak. And I, I just said, okay, one, I'm sorry, Lord. Two, I won't do that again. Three, that's a learning moment. You know, God teaches us. That's how we learn. One of the ways to learn is that you, you walk through some of those things where you think maybe the Lord gave you a word, but you don't know, but then, bam, it happens. Okay, that was the Lord. That's kind of what it sounds like. Now, this, you know, we'll see if we can walk in faith and uh, open that thing up. God wants to activate your gift. And it's not just prophecy. We're kind of focusing on prophecy right now because, you know, that's what I'm supposed to address. But it's not just prophecy. But I want you to, you know, really seriously consider when you're praying for your children, don't, don't, get, don't let your head get in the way. Sometimes you just get in prayer and worship and you're praying and you just let the Holy Spirit speak to you and just see, just see what will happen. I, I think good things will, will happen. And God, God builds His church and it impacts has an impactful nature upon people. People that get prayed for and get a word from the Lord, it it changes things. It just does. People have babies. If you don't want a baby, don't get prayed for. But I mean, people people get pregnant after they've been prayed for. I've seen that multiple times. It's crazy that you know they haven't been able to. Things change. Listen, if you're, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, we're just gonna, we're gonna pray right now with every head bowed and eyes closed. If you're here, uh, this is an amazing journey to walk with Christ. If you're here today and you've never, you've never given your heart to the Lord, I, I'm just believing right now that the Holy Spirit's working on you. The Holy Spirit is, picking up your heart rate a little bit maybe you're a little bit nervous maybe you're a little anxious but I I would encourage you to be bold and just say yes 
to say yes to the Holy Spirit, whatever the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's easy to say, I don't have that gift. Don't, don't minimize what the Holy Spirit can do through you. Moses made all those excuses. I don't, I don't have the gift of speech. I can't talk. I'm, and God told him, who, who gives speech but God? Listen, God can open your mouth and he can speak things through you. If there's anybody here today that would like to give their life to Christ, you just raise your hand and just wave it so I can see you, I can pray for you. Anybody today? Okay, we're going to have... Uh, Lord, we just thank you for... I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the prophetic word. I thank you for just uh, the word that's ever present right in our midst. It's not just the words in the Bible, but we actually have a living God and a living Holy Spirit that lives within us. And, and of course, all things are judged by the word of God. So Lord, we're, we're just so grateful for your Holy Spirit, for the power of your Spirit, uh, just for the, the comfort of your Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. We thank you for that, Lord. God, give us, in, increase our faith. Raise up our faith level to embrace the gifts of, the God, of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we just pray in Jesus' name.